Okay, we're still here. Still playing Final Fantasy VI. How's it going, Ben? It's going all right. How are you? Mm, all right, all right. Uh, it's a weird time to be playing this game. Um, again, the world has ended, and it's up to us to put it back together again. Um, yep. Now, we're going to have some help this time, though. So we've got we've got not just Celis anymore. Um, Tara didn't join up, but at least we've got Sabin and Edgar, the twins. Yep. And uh, as we go along here, we come across Setzer next, right? We meet him in Kolingen? I think it's Kolingen. I don't remember if it's that town exactly, but it's definitely in the Kolingen area. Yeah, as we're sort of like meeting these people, he's the one who sort of joins up out of order, I would would say. Yeah. Um, I think we're kind of expecting to find Locke, right? Uh, Everything's pointing to him being like the important the the most important for Celis to find. Yeah, and, and everybody um, talks about him. Like yeah. every town you go to, they're always like, "Oh, Locke. Yeah, he was just here. He's apparently looking for some big deal treasure." Um, like you even can visit the house where where Rachel is being protected. Right. Like she's still inert, surrounded by flowers in that weird basement with the weird music. Um, <laughs> but if you talk to the the steward protecting her, he he says, "Nope, Locke isn't here." Um, you'll have to go find him. You go find the treasure, and you'll go find Locke. Yeah. So some things haven't changed, even with the destruction of all civilization and uh, and the breakdown, yeah, of of the world's um, you know government and everything. Uh, there's still this girl, um, and Locke is still apparently seeking for something that will help. Right? He hasn't given up hope yet. So, um, so yeah, we don't find him. Uh, instead, we find Setzer. Um, and he does kind of the same thing that Tara does, like, you know, saying he, he can't really help anymore. You know, he doesn't have it in him. Um, but it's reminded me that the reason we met him in the first place was because he was trying to uh, run away with the opera singer, right? The, mm-hmm. what's her name? Maria. That's right. Yes. Um, and so this is kind of odd, I guess, um, that his character would have sort of changed so much that he would have, become so much less bold, so much, you know, uh, I don't know, more cowardly in a way. Um, and, I, and then I started thinking, like, why haven't any of them found each other and done anything in the intervening uh, year, you know, mm-hmm. from when we saw the, the statues move and the world descend into chaos, and then when we, we finally wake up again, right, on the little island. Like, what have they all been doing this whole, this whole time? Um, it seems like Setzer has just been sort of frittering away his time uh, playing games. Hmm. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot of insight into how Setzer has changed, but man, it is a stark change. Like, he was the epitome of the devil-may-care, like, living life on the edge. Like, as I, as I recall, like, the only reason he joins up is because it sounds fun, like, <laughs> in, the, in the world of balance. Um, he's, just, he's just playing this game just like you are. Um, but then you meet him on that at that bar, and like he's lost all hope. He doesn't have his airship. The, you know, there's there's no more fun in games anymore. Like, and he feels like he's completely useless. Like, there there's no place in this world for him anymore. Like, how do you have a you know cream of the crop opera going playboy in the post apocalyptic Kefka dominated world? Um, so he's just sort of drinking and 
being sad. <laughs> um, Drinking, uh, pr- presumably not anything alcoholic in the um, oh, localization not. rate. Just, just yeah. Anyway, but yeah, th- so there's, yeah, he's lost the airship. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and again, yeah, he's sort of like in a world that's so depressed, like his variety of, of running around and having adventures just doesn't really fit anymore, right? So it's sort of, yeah, um, he's left to his own devices there. But then as soon as you talk to him, he like remembers, oh yeah, there is a place we can get another airship, right? Yeah. He, and I love the line, um, I'm feeling lucky again. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the transition. Like he, he, you get this glimpse of his sort of existential angst. Um, and, and you get a little more of it when you, when you see, uh, you know, as they're going through the tomb. Um, but you know, he turns around pretty quick, <laughs> like yeah. as quick as you would expect of Setzer. Um, as much as his uncharacteristic pessimism is shocking at first blush, um, like it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing. Like you're like, hey, join us. And he's like, nah, I don't think I can help you guys. Life's been really tough lately and I don't really have anything to offer. I mean, I was just the airship guy. And you're like, no, but join us. And he's like, oh, okay, you've convinced me. Um, yeah there's not a whole lot that needs to happen. He just, I I suspect that it's almost set up as though he sees you and realizes that that itself is indication that his luck has changed. Mm. Um, Right. And then there's this new like bit of the world map um, that holds the the tomb of his friend, Daryl, right? mm -hmm. This, I I mean, she died back in the world of balance, I think. Right. Before we even met Setzer. Yeah. This is long yeah. in the past. So so this tomb has been sort of like uncovered maybe because of all the changes to the, the world. I don't know if it was like just somewhere inaccessible before. But so now it's it's quite close by actually. Um, and the, the game like directs us where to go with this. It, it does like a little scene um, of moving the camera over the world map to where our next destination is, which is something that we'll start to see more often, I guess, um, as we go along. Yes, that happens several times at this section. Um, Yeah, so it's like um, he he's had this it's it's the same sort of thing, right, as the tomb is is revealed and and now not so buried as it was. It's the same um, with his sort of memories, I guess, like it's been shifted um, by seeing us here. And so he's obviously got this um, sort of you know, the slot ability, but even his weapons now um, start to have like a random chance element to them. Yes. Because uh, you can buy the dice at this point. <laughs> Did you use the yep. dice? I use the doom darts because I live dangerously. Um, <laughs> there were there were a couple of occasions where Setzer got zombified and he immediately like one shot killed another party member, which was a bit awkward. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do enjoy the doom darts. Um, as troublesome as they may have been in this area. Yeah. Well, they but, don't hardly kill. I mean, they won't work against undead enemies. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you hit an undead enemy with them, it, it dies and then it just comes right back. It's, yeah. It's um, which is not especially helpful and kind of unsettling the first couple times that it happens. But, um, and there are a lot of undead enemies in the tomb, but not all of them. So he, he still was pretty useful and he, it's got a pretty high damage potential too, like, pretty yeah. consistently. Um, so using slots when I was in a group of 
bad guys or if it was only undead enemies left and using the doom darts to pick off the troublemakers was a pretty effective tactic i thought but you know like i said setzer is one of my favorites as much as he sort of occupies the support role um oh yeah if you like to live on the edge yeah that's uh, yep i mean there are some pretty powerful enemies down here we have one of the classic final fantasy recurring enemies in yeah. the, um it's called Mad Oscar in this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't help but think that that's a terrible translation, or you know. I, yeah, but Marlboro is Marlboro much better? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know that it is Marlboro in most of the most of the games. Like I think of Final Fantasy Tactics and um, and Final Fantasy Seven VII and Eight, especially. Um, and they are just scary buggers. Like, no matter what game you run into them in, if anything, they're fairly tame in six because um, yeah. they don't have that horrible bad breath move. I think they sometimes do it, but it seems, yeah, much less frequent. Yeah. Um, I didn't run into it just because I think they were too slow. Like, I had Setzer on haste with his Doom darts, so anytime I ran into him, you could usually take them out quickly. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, so they're, they're spooky um, enemies down here. It's a really spooky place. Um, I guess that Setzer designed this tomb. Um, it seems to be the indication, right? So it's like a kind of monument to his mm-hmm. dead girlfriend. Um, and now that it's infested with enemies that he has to fight through. Again, like, this is pretty, like easy to read a, a kind of psychological interpretation onto this, right? Of him like descending back into this dark time and his, um, and his, his mourning um, for his, for his friend. Um, and she, the way he describes her, she wasn't afraid of anything. Right. And like, mm-hmm. she, I guess would, would sort of represent that part of himself uh, that's been kind of lost since he lost the airship here. Um, yeah she she's definitely presented here as a kindred spirit like they race airships against one another and you know she's got this this crazy prototype airship which apparently is even faster um than mm-hmm. sets her zone uh but you know all the more dangerous as a consequence um and then it's you know during one of those races that she crashes and, and dies um so you know on the one hand like it definitely does represent Setzer and his devil may care, you know, live on life on the edge, throw the dice and see what they're la- where they land attitude. But it also very much represents sort of the, the negative outcomes of that. Mm-hmm. Like as much as she is a kindred spirit to his, you know, careless existence, she's also a very grim reminder of what that careless existence can lead to. Um, like she, she rolled the dice and lost. And Setzer has to be aware of that, like more even than sort of exploring Setzer's own psyche. I think it's facing his own fears because, um, you know, like Setzer, Setzer played the game. He joined up with the party. He decided to wage war on the empire. He decided to fight Kefka and Kefka beat the living crap out of him. He blew up the whole world. Like you can't lose harder than that. Um, and it kind of makes sense that Setzer would give up at that point as we find him. Um, so, you know, you get that long, that long section in the tomb where, you know, you walk down the stairs and the little scenes of Setzer and Daryl play out, um, as you, as you continue descending. And it, it very much seems to suggest like Setzer, 
seriously thinking about the risks. Like, could this situation get worse? Could he die? Could he, you know, lose friends that he thought he had already lost only to find them now again? Um, and him basically saying, you know what? We're going to roll the dice anyway. Like, we're going we're gonna to let this happen. Like, how much worse can things really get at this point? <laughs> and how much better could they be? Yeah, and he's got new friends, right? Like they've come to find him, um, whether by fate or chance, they, they've reunited. So he can't like, he can't let them know. I mean, yeah. he could. Like Tara, Tara has also found something else that she's going to do for a while, <laughs> but he doesn't. Right? And, and there's like this, this weird kind of um, like puzzle element in this area where you have to sort of like figure some stuff out to be able to proceed. Um, it's It's not too confusing really uh but there's like some water level changing um your, your classic turtle jumping that you've got yep. to do right uh once they program that and they're going to use it at least one more time right? oh of course um and there's this weird puzzle with the uh tombstone writing mm-hmm. um right so you get you get this blank tombstone i think it's pretty early in the dungeon right that you can't yeah. do anything with yet and there's a lot of kind of backtracking that has to happen if you want to figure stuff out in this world, in this, uh, in this dungeon. Um, and later there's, there's a room that gives you the hints, which are all just um, like sets of four letters. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you just have to like play around with that until you get the letters in the right order, I think, to, um, to get the way to open um, I think this is an optional thing, right? Like you don't have to do this to be. Yeah. It's like the, the passcode is the world is square. Right. Um, and I think after you enter it, it basically tells you that like, if you go to the third basement and go through the secret entrance, you can find the experience egg, which if I'm not mistaken, doubles your experience. Yeah. Um, so you get another powerful treasure item, um, but one that requires a lot of work to get to and a lot of, you know, puzzling and sneaking about and backtracking like you said um as it was i figured i'd come back for it i didn't get the experience egg this time around um mostly because time constraints but you know it's another test like another another sort of layer um which it's interesting that you know here is this tomb which supposedly was built by setzer and he apparently built this puzzle (laughs) into it um like never mind the fact that the place has been taken over by undead monsters like what else did you expect to happen in a tomb but um but that you know there is this sort of sneaky puzzle and this uh, elaborate system of of water levels and pumps and stuff that you've got to mess with in order to, to progress um and it is like it is tricky because you got to get the water level up but if you then want to backtrack and get that uh experience egg you've got to bring the water level all the way back down again and then do it all again in order to get the airship it's a little tedious um but yeah i mean and for an item that uh it might help out a bit um but i feel like you know, gaining levels is nice, but it's it's really not as important as um, like getting new spells and, and new abilities. Yeah. Because that's what really makes the difference if you can just um, end battles like quickly. You don't need that extra HP or some other stats, you know. But uh, I mean, so it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird like kind of fourth wall breaking moment. Um, the world is square uh, is sort of 
you know, a brag, I don't know, on the part of the developer. I'm not sure what's going on there exactly. Um, yeah, I have to think it's got to be a reference to the to the Squaresoft company that like produced the game. Um, but you know, it, it's a little obscure, perhaps a little lost in translation, and just you know, like yeah, um, look up this translation. So in the Japanese, they are they're all still four letters. Okay, and the, and the the thing that they spell out is is not backwards this time. It's a phrase that just says. Um, Tomo Yoya Surakani would mean rest in peace, O friend. Oh, wow. That's so much more relevant. It's much more sort of like within the, yeah, the sort of the mood of the place. Um, and yeah, I mean, so they, they went a, a, a little different direction with that. <laughs> yeah. In the translation. Um, but yeah, so we get, uh, yeah, I think a lot more of, of Setzer's character here. Um, whether we take him to be like the dungeon designer or just like let that one slide like either way um it's it's kind of a cool um variation on some of the gameplay elements that we've seen so far right like undead enemies some more weird status effects that are liable to get you um we, we fight another version of like the first boss of the game uh yes. hiding in a treasure box <laughs> Yep. So uh, that's fun. Um, I didn't find that one too too hard, although it was it was a little freaky because it's like you got to have the timing down, you know. Uh, yes. Can hurt you, but then you come to the end and uh, it's a tomb with flowers, right? And um, the boss is called Dullahan, uh, mm -hmm. which is, I I think it's a kind of um, like uh, undead. I don't know, um, Headless Horseman kind of figure from yeah. uh, mythology. I I'm not too familiar with this one, but I've definitely seen this one around before. This doll. Yeah, that, that's a, I think it's a Castlevania staple as well. Um, that like you get this, this sort of weird pale rider kind of thing, um, like sort of conflated with our, our understanding of like the fourth horseman of the apocalypse being death or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah he he's he was tough he was real mean um and part of that like i'm sitting there thinking ah i'll just use runic and block all these spells then i realized that um Sellers was currently holding the atma weapon which was great on damage but can't use runic with it no it doesn't count as a sword no it does not it's got special special uh characteristics and therefore doesn't count so instead both Celis and Setzer ended up on healing duty while uh, the damage was done by Edgar and Sabin. Uh, but we got through it. It was just touch and go there for a while. And he's fast. Like, he casts spell after spell. So oh, yeah. But I think that. he ran out of magic halfway <laughs> through the fight. Like, he was dropping those big ice spells and stuff and just taking out party members left and right. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. It was, like, waiting for him to to you know hit me with pearl or holy or something yeah. and just nothing well it's weird that it casts holy magic right it, it seems to be an undead character but i don't think i'm pretty sure the undead killing tricks don't work on this guy so he's he's not exactly you know a demonic figure if he's using these um these holy spells yeah um, it's interesting i think and i mean this is this is sort of like drawing back to a lot of the other uh Final Fantasy games as well, but 
Um, again, when you have a character that very much represents death in the Final Fantasy franchise, usually it comes equipped with both death and holy magic, hmm. um, which I find interesting. Like, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but there's almost always, like, one character. Um, like, I think uh, I, I just got through playing Final Fantasy Tactics Advance for the umpteenth time. Nice. Um, yeah, that's a great little game. Um, but the vampire characters come with a poison spell and a death spell and a holy spell. Um, and that's, that's sort of typical, like a character like that has that much power over death somehow embodies a power like of the almighty of, of goodness, which holy magic itself would be like an interesting conversation to have all by itself in the final fantasy franchise because holy doesn't necessarily mean good in the world of final fantasy. Um, in fact, frequently the opposite. Um, but like authority and power uh, is really what it comes down to, I suspect. So death, death definitely occupies this place of supreme authority and therefore it gets to cast Pearl, um, which, you know, is just holy in Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, the name Pearl, yeah, it's, um, it's because, I mean, it's sort of like the form that the attack takes is this, uh, these little like uh, marbles almost, right? Yeah. And then there's this kind of weird background thing that goes on. I don't know if this is only because it's the monster version of the spell, because we haven't learned this spell yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one he casts is a a thing that I think you can learn with Strago um, once he's in your party again. Um, But anyway, it does this kind of weird like background uh, as well that it almost looks like you're like in a a tunnel, right? Or in a, I don't know, almost like... um, you know that that's sort of <laughs> yeah, sort of kaleidoscopic sixties ish. Yeah, um, yeah. It's well, so it's a it's a weird yeah mixture of the um, the power of death and that power which which stands behind it or beyond it or transcends it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah. So he's a cool. I mean, he's an interesting boss. Um, he doesn't really. I don't know. Again, this part of the game doesn't directly relate to your your ultimate objective like these aren't emissaries of kefka or anything like that these are sort of powers of the world itself it seems like that have been released that were stirred up yeah um so there uh i don't think that there's any particular reward from the fight itself right but it does that that opens up the way to the the final um treasure of the tomb which is the the airship itself Mm -hmm. and so as we're like descending this long staircase we get the little flashbacks um that appear kind of in the in the darkness beyond um and we get the story between uh setzer and daryl um which i thought was like a cool way to do it it's not like the other flashbacks that we've gotten um and it's sort of happens right alongside right parallel with um again this like descent motif going on yeah um so i thought you can you can even affect how you see it by walking up or down the stairs like you can see it from different angles like it doesn't actually change what you see but you know it'll run off the screen um (laughs) if if you go too too low or too high um which i think is interesting like there was that was some tricky programming on the part of the FF6 designers. They actually put some, some significant effort into, into that section. 
um, again, because it isn't repeated anywhere, um, which is usually an indication that the, the devs want you to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. This is important. And then he sort of echoes um, the opera scene and the jumping off the cliff scene. We have him like standing on the edge of a mountaintop, uh, you know, like looking out over the, the sunset. Um, and the colors that we get there are really evocative of the world of ruin. Like, even though again, yeah. this like took place long before, like in a way his, you know, his, his ordered world was shattered a long time ago. Um, and yet, you know, as a result now, now there's this thing that's going to make it possible to, um, to help out his friends, right. That, mm -hmm. that he has like held this back for a rainy day. Um, and now it's time to bring it out again. And then this I, is the part, you started talking about this last time even, right? Where it, it, it rises up out of the, the ocean. Yeah. It's, it's so cool, uh, this little sequence here. Um, so this is the Falcon. And it's, it cues a totally new soundtrack for the whole world, the whole overworld. Yeah. Um, the Searching for Friends theme, which is, yeah, probably one of the cooler uh, uh, tunes in this or any Final Fantasy, really. Um, yeah so um there's there's like a big shift in the game that happens at this point like again we can sort of see what happens in this portion is we're going around and and finding each person and getting them to rejoin the party right whatever that takes um but there's also sort of the option to just go and fight kefka like at any point yeah. from here on out um we can just go there yeah. right they, they specifically make sure that you have a full party, like you you have your four characters, Celis and Salmon and Edgar and, and Setzer, and at any time you can just fly over the tower and just try and take on the tower and, and <laughs> Kefka by extension. Um, which I, I kind of think of, of Chrono Trigger too, yeah. and how they sort of like give you the option to fight Lavos long before you're prepared for it. Um, and you know, you, at any time you can decide, all right, now I'm ready. I'm going to fight it and get creamed. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but yeah, if that's what you're looking for, right. If you want that challenge, it's yeah. totally there. Um, Just, you know, making those speed runners drool. Um, I guess. Yeah. That's not a thing I know a lot about, but I assume that people have been able to do this somehow. Just like, go I would assume. Yeah. Um, like I, I know the speed running community is, is pretty robust for, for a lot of games. Um, I'm not familiar with the Final Fantasy VI sphere specifically. Like I'm like a little bit more attentive to the Zelda speedrunning thing uh, and a few other games here and there that are really designed for it. But but I think too, like design-wise of uh, Breath of the Wild, most recently was very much catered to the speedrunning community because like you can fight Ganon, you know, as soon as they as soon as you finish the tutorial, like. As soon as you get your your little glider thing, it's like there's Ganon. You can you can see him. There's the castle. You, just any time you want, go. Like you want to do it with three hearts and you just your stick sword, do it. Like let's see you do it, and you know that somebody's out there doing it. Absolutely. Um, yep, just parrying his way to success. Uh, but Final Fantasy VI definitely teases the same here. Um, like there are so many advantages if you go later after you have picked up the treasures after you have you know filled out your party um not least of which because that 
battle with Kefka actually will use more than four characters. If one falls in battle, it gets replaced with one of your reinforcements. Oh, cool. Which is, yeah. Um, it, it's another sort of choice that, that doesn't get uh, echoed very often in future Final Fantasy games. I know they did it in eight, but I don't think they did it in seven. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you go with more characters, and I mean, you, once you fill out your roster, it's a pretty impressive spread, and there are a couple of new characters to track down um, since the since the cataclysm. Um, but if you want, go with Setzer, Sabin, Edgar, and and Sellas, and good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I know that there's some fun stuff that you can do at this point in the game because you can basically go anywhere and do stuff in in a lot of different orders. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that there's you know various kinds of optimized routes that one can take you know depending on what kinds of things you're after um but there is a kind of cue here uh that Celis wants to follow the birds right yes um this has been sort of her omen um that's that's called her forwards um since she's woken up and this bird leads us to the town where that that soldier's um been sending letters to his girlfriend mm-hmm. right and and now when you go visit her, the, the whole room is like filled with gifts and flowers. And um, and it turns out that she's been getting uh, letters that that can't possibly be from the soldier, right? We're told that the town he was in was completely destroyed, right? So he's... Yeah. So it's somebody, it's somebody else, right? And, and there's some hints about who that person might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so as you're kind of wandering around this town, which is relatively unscathed, I mean, it's got, you know, some damage, but uh, you get a bunch of different kind of directions that you can go. Um, but hers, you know, the, the, the girl um, getting these mysterious letters, that seems to be sort of the, the most pressing, um, the one that we're, we're really supposed to follow. Um, yeah, and yeah, so the, the one they say it's, the handwriting looks like cyan's. Which I don't yes. know how we've seen this handwriting, but okay. Presumably, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen a lot of science correspondence since you joined yeah. up. Um, but it's—I think it's also interesting that like the the room is is filled with these flowers, but they're all fake flowers. Um, they're silk flowers, we're told. Um, yeah. Which you know, to me, like especially when you when you actually track down Cyan um, and find out what in fact he's up to. Um, the the silk flowers imply a degree of craftsmanship mm-hmm. like th- this is not just you know I, I called 1-800-Flowers and had them delivered mm-hmm. like this is this is someone who is painstakingly working to to provide this girl with hope um, despite the fact that there is none like as we're told the the town where the soldier lived is is completely destroyed there's no chance of his survival um, and yet she's still holding on um and you know this this level of craftsmanship this level of effort like there's there's a kind of there's a an artistry to it um like this is the effort of a master who has somehow decided that this is this is what his life's meaning is going to be in this new world like in the same way that you know, Edgar is trying to break back into his castle 
and Sabin is sort of half-heartedly getting a revolution going and Setzer is just, you know, given up. Here is somebody else who has found meaning, like Terra and her orphans. Um, yeah, it's it's very romantic in a way, um, but also kind of creepy in a way. <laughs> yep, not denying that in the slightest. <laughs> There's yeah, so Cyan Cyan's kind of arc turns out to be uh, a lot more interesting, I think, than we might have suspected, um, yeah. given his sort of stoic, you know, persona that he had before. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, we get we get part of it here. Uh, but then the rest of it will have to wait because we're shown that um, among the places that have survived, there's Narsh, the Velt, and Doma Castle. Right? Yes. So surely we'll have to have another um, kind of resolution to his story there at the castle eventually. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's especially striking that like Cyan has has had virtually no development since the very beginning when we first met him. Like, as we commented early on in our conversations, the Phantom Train sequence is really moving and profound. Like, Cyan is, you know, ripped apart by the the one-two punch of, you know, the destruction of Doma Castle, the poisoning of his family, and then, you know, watching those members of his family and kingdom get transported into death, but then, you know, after that happens, he's pretty quiet. Like, we don't actually see him interact with uh, the characters very often. Um, like, we see him, you know, befriend Gal. Gal brings a certain amount of lightness to it by making fun of his antiquated language. Um, and there's, you know, like, I think there's one moment where uh, I think it's the general and, and uh, Cyan exchange, like, respect. Um just sort of, you know, game recognize game kind of thing. Like here are two great warriors. I forget if it's the general or one of the other characters. Um, but that's it. Like Cyan is an optional member of your party at all times from the Phantom Train onward, um, or at least from the, the Serpent Trench onward. And now that we're picking him up, all of a sudden he has story again. Um, and as you would expect, it's romantic and melancholy and heartfelt and also a little creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he hasn't been, he hasn't been slouching, you know, he's been wandering the world um, and he's found something, yeah, to sort of keep himself busy with um, between making the flowers and sending the letters and all that good stuff. Um, Yeah. So it turns out uh, the, the bird, as we follow it again with the camera over the world map leads us to Zozo which is now, you know, um, got a kind of, kind of extra little quest that we can do um, to, to meet up with the mystery man. Um, so I, I think that will be, that'll be the next thing that we'll, we should probably take a look at. Um, but then beyond that, where should we go from there? Is it to the... Yeah. Next? The belt would probably be a good bet picking up gal is paired up with uh, gal. undoubtedly helpful yeah. yeah um i don't remember there being a lot of story involved on that end but i think like we can actually follow up with gal's dad at this point um assuming we track him down um we can revisit mobley's and see what Tara's up to i'm not sure if she'll join at this point but i know that she's got more story to play out um and i didn't visit her the first time so that one's on me i'll have to do that 
Um, and then we could go to Narsh. And there's a lot of stuff to do in Narsh. Um, like Narsh is a big sort of center point of a lot of story development, as I recall. And there are multiple characters hanging out in Narsh at the moment. Um, so I'd say let's follow the bird through Zozo and see where it takes us. Um, and then focus on Narsh going forward and picking up Gal and Terra along the way, if possible. Nice. All right. Cool. Sounds like a plan. Um, and uh, take care of yourself until next time. You uh, too, sir. Don't get up to anything too crazy in these old video games. I will, I will do my best, but crazy is kind of the order of the day for a lot of them. <laughs> All right. See ya. Bye.